This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Stacy Swartz. Stacy is the Vice President of U.S. Public Sector and Education at Ring Central. She led uh, highly successful teams in public sector for well over 20 years, building growth businesses from the ground up for federal, state, and local education. She was also responsible for leading the nationwide team supporting the FirstNet program, providing critical communications to over 4 million subscribers in the first responder community. And with this work, she was then featured as one of the top 20 national security execs to watch in 2022. uh, she is also, uh, you know, has uh, held positions in the, um, the Washington Executive Women Leadership Council and serves as a um, the Make-A-Wish Foundation Mid-Atlantic Board. So first, Stacey, thank you for joining us today on Leaders and Legends. Thank you for having me. So Stacey, I always ask our guests this question, and I ask you to give some thought about this. Can you describe your leadership style? Yes, uh, certainly. Uh, I I believe the word I would use is collaborative. Uh, I've always felt I've worked in small, medium, large companies. Uh, Most recently, of course, uh, prior to Ring Central at AT AT&T, collaborative is the leadership style. I believe that, um, you know, being um, very results oriented uh, is another characteristic of mine. Um, And being very customer and team focused, I think if you put that formula all together, um, for me, it has proved to be uh, a winning winning equation. Do you ever alter your approach depending upon the situation? I mean, are there any stories that you could share about leadership challenges you faced and how you got through it by approaching things differently? Yes, I, I, I do alter, uh, you know, I think there are certain places where, um, you know, as a leader, uh, you may have a track record, um, you know, and you you can operate within a certain framework. Um, you know, I, uh, I just, as you mentioned, I just, uh, you know, retired or left uh, a long career uh, with one corporation, AT&T, and just joined a new firm, Ring Central, and I'm delighted to be there. But, uh, you know, a great example of that is the fact that I am, you know, reestablishing and rebuilding credibility, even though I have a very, very long, um, you know, track record uh, doing uh, a very similar, similar role. Uh, And so, you know, I'm taking the approach in this phase of my transition to really listen and learn and understand and balance that with my intuitive my, you know, my intuitive, uh, you know, sense about what needs to get done, how to build a team, understanding the customer, but trying to adapt that to a new corporate environment. Uh, that is uh, a balance. And I think you have to do that every time you enter a new role that even though you, you know, m- may have done similar things in the past, your the context in which you're doing it really, uh, I think, dictates how you need to perform as a leader. It doesn't change the principled notions that I just mentioned to you, which are, you know, being collaborative, uh, you know, trying to establish your focus on the customer and your teams, 
Uh, I think that's all incredibly important, no, regardless of where you are. It's just you may have to be a bit more adaptive um, in that space. Um, you know, I'm trying to think about a situation where, um, you know, I've had to sort of change, uh, you know, who I am and, and, and uh, or, or just adapt uh, from a funny uh, leadership story. I um I had a, I did have a, um, <laughs> an environment at one point where I had a very volatile uh, management uh, situation and, um, you know, I had to um, respond in a very different way to uh, my leader at the time, um, you know, just uh, very, very demanding, very uh, direct, uh, very, you know, critical at times. Uh, and I had to be much more of a self uh, and a team advocate than I had, uh, you know, ever experienced before. And I think coming through an experience um, with a, you know, a unique management challenge like that has made has made me stronger and has taught me a lot about how to advocate not just for yourself but for your team in a tough environment. You know, many times in leadership positions that I have been in in the tech community, I would come to the you know, executive board meetings, and nobody looked like me. Um, mm -hmm. I was the only woman or, 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 or variety, variety of other uh, things. Have you found being a woman leader in a male-dominated situations, which I think you have been over most of your career, do you feel that you have to sometime lead differently or approach things differently? You know, I think, uh, I appreciate that question, uh, and I have noticed that. Uh, you know, I, I uh, focused on uh, various uh, areas within the uh, federal government community, state and local community through, throughout my career. Um, and, you know, it's, it's candidly, uh, you know, most recently I was focused on public safety, and that is an extraordinarily male-dominated environment. Um, I, while I am cognizant of the fact uh, that there were not many folks around me that necessarily looked like me, um, I kept that in my subconscious, but I felt that being true to myself and being authentic, being client-focused and team-focused, like I had mentioned earlier, was going to serve me well. Uh, that is very much what happened when I started on FirstNet and when I started in public safety. Um, and I found that it's, you know, being aware and embracing it, uh, embracing your difference is, has been important. I, you know, I'll give you a funny story there. I recall, uh, and I've shared this story multiple times throughout my career. I was asked to present, um, you know, in an industry with an industry partner at a very large event for that particular industry partner in the federal space. And I decided to wear my favorite red suit. Um, and I walked into this room, Aileen, and you would not believe everybody was in black and gray. I was one of 150 people that any color, right, that I was wearing. And I've now made that sort of my signature that uh, when I think I'm going into an environment where I might actually be, um, you know, a uh, little bit different uh, in, you know, who I am, the fact that I'm a female, um, all the different attributes that make us, you know, unique. I actually like to emphasize that difference. And uh, I've been known to put on a very brightly colored suit, knowing I'm walking into a bunch of blue wool and gray wool, just because 
it makes me feel like I can embrace who I am, um, you know, internally and externally um, and make that something that is to my advantage as opposed to something that uh, makes me feel uncomfortable. Stacey, does any leaders in your past, you know, you've worked with a, a ton of, uh, you know, um, world-class names over your career that have taught you a lesson that you wish all leaders could have learned? Yes, there are many. Uh, to, to come to mind, uh, they just just happen to be very dynamic women. Uh, one is um, a woman with whom I'd worked early in my career, uh, as I, I believe I was sort of getting my my skills honed as a leader. Um, and I worked with her in my early days uh, at AT and T. In fact, um, I followed her uh, because she was so such a powerful influence in my career, largely because she empowered me and enabled me to be creative. I never felt like I couldn't put an idea in front of her. I never felt there was any comment, question, or idea or initiative that was too silly or you know not not done. Um, and that taught me that that's the way I wanted to be as a leader. I, that I wanted to make sure that my team knew they could come to me with any creative idea. That even if it had been done before and it failed, maybe it's a different time and there are different elements and we should try it again. Or maybe it's something that had never been done and seems risky, but why not open our minds to try it? And, you know, always ask the question, why not? Um, I think that was really, a, really a, a, an important lesson. And, um, you know, the way in which we worked together, I felt like I could accomplish anything. And I realized that that was a really important leadership quality uh, to to invest in your leaders and your team members. The second. Leader, yeah. The second leader I was just going to mention is um, uh, the just recently retired uh, CEO of AT&T Business. Um, I, I, I shared a mentor relationship with her for years, uh, and watched her rise. And I believe the biggest part of what inspired me was her giving, um, servant leader, you know, just her focus on supporting her team and always being there. I didn't even work for her and she would spend hours with me, giving me advice, sounding things out and, um, you know, really inspiring me to continue uh, and, and advocate for me in various situations. And the other piece of who, who she is and who she was, was really enabling open and candid conversations about diversity and inclusion. And, um, you know, just having the hard conversations uh, in a corporate context um, is so bold. And I just admire her uh, and will always admire her to this day, um, you know, for, for being that, that person, that provocative leader. I'm speaking with Stacey Swartz, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector Education, Ring Central. After the break, we'll discuss the importance of being investing in your growth as a leader. You're listening to Leaders and Legend Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Stacey Swartz, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector and Education Ring Central. So, Stacey, you have had decades in public sector. When did you decide to pursue a career supporting public sector, and, and what was that inspiration for that? 
Yeah, uh, I, I would say, uh, you know, early, uh, maybe 2002 in that time frame, a uh, combination of, you know, just being in the business world. I had initially thought that, um, you know, my, my academic background was training me to be, um, you know, to, to potentially be a State Department employee. I spent a lot of time studying international relations. I went to school for uh, international relations, graduate school. Uh, all, all through that, I thought perhaps I would actually uh, go into, um, you know, foreign, foreign service. Um, not, wasn't certain. Um, but my interest had always been in government and policy um, as both a student and as a citizen. And I had lived in and around the Washington, D.C. area for quite some time. And as I got you know, swayed into the business arena, I thought, what, you know, how can I combine the two interests and loves of mine? Uh, and how can I support the mission and be, you know, involved in the pulse of what's going on in, in our government and to some extent, uh, other governments really understand what's going on around the world and be a part of enabling the mission that the government performs. So, uh, I got involved in the federal market uh, it, with AT&T, um, you know, quite a ways back um, with that, you know, kind of with that framework in mind. So let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about your background and how you've been able to really, you know, it's, it's a challenge you mentioned before, you know, especially in the law enforcement community, it's a, it's a, a male dominated um, environment. So. Let's talk about your background and how you were able to adapt to the changes and challenges of the federal landscape, especially in the last few years. Sure. You know, I, um, I think if you look at um, the way in which I think the technology community, as an example, needs to um, work with um, the, 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 fe the federal community and to, to some extent the state and local community, um, I, I like to think of myself as, um, you know, a longer strategic thinker, um, put a challenge in front of me, um, you know, tell me that uh, there's something out there that I can go achieve or win. Um, there's a higher bar. Um, and I think, I think a couple of things, um, you know, when I started out in federal, we had a lot of building to do. And I think the first part of it for me was, uh, I'm a very uh, extroverted, relationship-focused person. I think foundationally uh, at the core of everything that goes on is having the relationships where you can actually speak to your clients uh, and your teams and understand what is what is changing, what is what are the driving forces that are changing the way the government operates. And that has just been absolutely critical to me over the years is not, you know, speaking with industry partners, speaking with um, you know, folks within the government, not just technology folks, but policy folks, making sure that we understand what's happening from a budget and a legislation perspective and what may be driving change. And I think the other piece of that is, is that once you've established that foundational relationship, you have to be looking ahead um, and, you know, really start being proactive. Um, one of the biggest, I, I would say, um, you know, leadership um recommendations I give my team as we serve and support the government is do not be complacent. Your competitors are already in. There are already conversations happening and planning happening that happens well in advance. 
So you really need to be focused on listening to what's happening, not just within your own space, but what is happening, what dynamics are happening politically, what, what dynamics are happening from a technology perspective, what are your competitors doing? What, what, what new technologies are coming into place that maybe you need to make sure you're aware of and how it affects what it is you're trying to accomplish. So I think being proactive, understanding the backdrop of what's going on, making sure that you're looking at all of those dynamics uh, in the government and trying to get ahead. And then the last piece would be, you know, I've quite candidly always worked for a larger commercial corporation that is adapting to the government market. It's getting ahead even within your own environment, your corporate environment, to make sure that you're, you're able to serve the mission needs of the government uh, in the future by getting uh, your technology ready for whatever mandates or initiatives or policy or legislation, or even for that matter, understanding uh, that there will be emergencies and natural disasters that you have to be prepared for. So um, th th for me, those have been my guiding principles to make sure we're ready for the challenge as the landscape continues to change. So what was your first job or what was your first management job? Huh. My first manager job uh, was, well, actually my first job was, um, uh, as a uh, salesperson uh, at AT&T selling into um, international, uh, you know, smaller international companies. So sort of small to mid-sized. I actually started in California. Um, and my first manager job uh, was actually moved me more into the B2C market or the business to consumer market where I was supporting um, an interesting program called an affinity program where we worked within um, various communities and affiliated ourselves with different organizations and, uh, you know, tried to work within those organizations to create additional marketing capability and gain new customers, uh, which was which was super interesting. Um, it's very, very local, very community oriented, but, you know, mass market at the same time. Do you think it's important to grow as a leader and, and uh, how do you do that for yourself? Great question. I, it absolutely is important to grow as a leader. I think it's important to take stock of the fact that sometimes you're not even aware that an experience you had or a challenge you're facing is actually a growth opportunity. Um, while I subscribe to the fact that, and I've been you know, fortunate enough to uh, have been able to take advantage of a lot of leadership training, um, you know, also, uh, you know, networking, mentor circles, all of these uh, wonderful uh, programs that help you learn as a leader. I think taking on new challenges, new roles uh, absolutely helps you grow. Um, you know, for me, um, I had, you know, worked in the commercial space. I moved into federal. Once I was in federal, I moved around into different, um, you know, different areas of the government, and then I was asked to, um, you know, support uh, the FirstNet program as an example. And I had to build an entire organization from scratch, zero, zero employees, zero subscribers, um, create a surround in a complex, large company, um, and 
while I was in it, I didn't realize how much that was, um, you know, allowing me to personally grow. But, you know, as I was working through it, I realized that, you know, this was an experience that was going to frame my capabilities um, and make me a better leader. So I think part of it is putting yourself in new, but also uncomfortable or unfamiliar situations and allowing yourself to grow through those and, and quite candidly, you know, make mistakes. Uh, I think that's a big fundamental to leadership growth. So what are, you know, realizing what your strengths and weaknesses to me is, is one of the most important um, things a leader can do to understand how to change and adapt. What are your biggest strengths? What are your biggest weaknesses? And how did you come to understand this and, and leverage it? What a great question. Uh, oh, I could, I'll be as brief as I can. <laughs> um, I believe my biggest or one of my biggest strengths is building uh, a highly successful collaborative um, team. And uh, I don't think there's a magic formula for that. I think you build a personality to a team. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've been told that working on my team is like being part of a family. And I think that's really, really important. Um, it's a strength that I have, and I lean on that incredibly because I don't think that, um, you know, just my philosophy is uh, you're as good as uh, a leader as the team that you build. Uh, I don't think it's just about your leadership principles. It's about the people that you support. So I think that is definitely a strength of mine. I think the other one is tenacity. Um, I don't take no very easily as an answer. I may be wrong in the pursuit of that, but no is very easy uh, when you're trying to affect growth and change uh, in any environment. And so I don't accept no very easily as, a, as an answer. I think the other strength is uh, my ability to create relationships, uh, both with my team, with my clients, with my partners, with my leader, my leadership, uh, you know, feeling that people can trust me uh, through those relationships, very, very, uh, you know, strong aspect and being customer focused, um, always working backwards from the customer. Um, that has made me a better marketer, a better leader, a better advocate, um, better capable of supporting that team that I would build. I think where I find sometimes that, um, you know, I would say I have a weakness is uh, I am incredibly critical of myself. And it, at times, uh, I believe that inhibits my abilities to, you know, perhaps uh, move as quickly or effectively as I would like to. So, um, you know, I still am a bit of a perfectionist. And, uh, you know, sometimes I need to realize that really good, but not perfect, um, you know, is, is okay. Um, and that's something I've struggled with uh, a good portion of my life. And I think as over time, you learn to get better at that, um, you know, being able to say you have to adapt, you can't, not everything is going to be perfect. And admitting that and admitting that sometimes you've, you know, had a misstep or you're not, not quite able to get something done or, didn't succeed or didn't get the results that you'd hoped for, that's okay. 
And that is uh, a weakness I struggle with every day. I'm speaking with Stacy Swartz, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector and Education Ring Central. Coming up next, we'll talk about being a leader that is trying to lead through challenging times. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. And today I'm talking with Stacy Swartz, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector and Education Ring Central. So, Stacy. What is the relationship between leadership and culture? And what are the core values in that culture that you believe is essential to building this great team that has passion for succeeding? I've heard over and over again the same thing with you. You're as good as a leader as the team you build. So this must be core to your principle about leading. Yeah, I I appreciate you saying that. Um, You know, I... um... Anecdotally, I was I was speaking with somebody uh, earlier today, and I was talking about um, the most um, moving thing for me was um, you know the response I got from my former team at AT and T, all the people whose lives um, you know I affected, and I have to say that is just absolutely the most important thing to me. Uh, you know, you come to realize that business results are absolutely critical, and setting expectations with your team and making sure that they know that they're supporting their customer and all the things that are just for me, uh, the, you know, the organization that you lead, these, the, you set the right expectations and you ask of your team, Hey, these are the things that I'm asking of you. And if you do all of that, I always tell my team members, I will have your back. If you are doing the right thing, if you are understanding what your customer needs, in, in spite of whatever business challenge it is, we'll work through it together and I will I will take that challenge and have your back. And I think that notion is always been known by everybody that's worked on my team. Uh, listen, if you you don't have your facts straight and you didn't you know you didn't hold your end of the bargain, that's a different story. But if you do all the right things, if you are customer focused, if you've built the relationships and you're you're coming forward, and you've treated others and with respect and integrity, both at your client and 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 your, you know, the, around you. I am very supportive of that. And the other part of it is, I'm very authentic. I am who I am. Um, I like to make sure that we have opportunity as a team to just be, not always be in a business environment. And I think. All of that creates a culture or a personality uh, of your organization where people like to be with one another. They share uh, their successes. They share best practices. And, um, you know, when I see all that coming together, I believe that is that is what you call culture. Right. Um, I used the word earlier family. Um, I uh, I'll just tell you that every year uh, I sponsor a holiday potluck at my house. And why do I do that? Because first of all, getting together with people after the year and you can kind of reflect, but just to let people know that we're all humans and we need to connect in a different setting. Um, you know, those are just the hallmarks of how I like to lead a team and create an environment. And, and in the end, Aileen, it makes it fun, right? I mean, what are we doing if we're not enjoying ourselves every day even in the toughest of times is, you know, why not have fun while you're going to work every day? We spend most of our lives working. 
there are so many articles right now coming about about empathetic leadership. And, you know, people are tired and, you know, there's talk about the great resignation. You know, there's a lot of layoffs in the tech sector. How do you lead with empathy? You know, I think uh, it's just inherent in who I am as a as a as a human being. Um, I um, I've always said, um, you know, your health and your family's first. Uh, I really believe that. Um, one of the most influential people in my life is was my dad, and my dad always told me that if you don't have your health and you're not, you know, you're 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 not happy and you're not, you know, you, then you then you don't have. What are you really? What are you really focused on? Um, that's the most important thing. And so, I'm a big believer in you know. Look, we take care of each other, and we work through things. And I think we all know, having gone through the pandemic, um, that's just been absolutely critical. Um, I will just share with you something personal to me. Um, you know, in the middle of a very demanding, um, you know, leadership role. Uh, I found out that my uh, my husband needed heart surgery on a t uh, on a Tuesday, and and uh, in fact, um, you know that surgery happened three days later. I was in complete shock, and if it wasn't for the empathetic leadership around me and the supportive culture, uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have made it through. So, I think you learn that you know in your own circumstances, and I think you have to understand that when everybody shows up to work each day, there's a whole other life that's going on uh, beyond that. I think to sort of support some of the, the change and the challenge that's gone on and some of the turbulence that's in the industry, I am still a really big believer, uh, you know, as I sit here in my home office of human interaction, live human interaction. And now that I believe many of our communities are starting to, you know, go back to some new normal I think the other part of navigating these times and being empathetic is making some more human connection as well and making the time to have, whether it's you know live or you know over video, to just have conversations with people about how they're feeling and connecting with them on where they are. So important. It was so important to me as I was growing as a leader. And I feel it's really makes a difference in um, everybody's work life balance. Let's talk about that new normal and the leadership qualities that are required for it. I mean, here you work for a company that uh, probably has prospered. I know Ring Central stock is skyrocketing, uh, a very, uh, very good, uh, um, uh, pro you know, current situation for your company. I know that as a leader uh, during the pandemic, I had to put a yellow sticky next to my uh, terminal so that I stopped and not, yeah. didn't go straight into business and stopped and asked, how are you doing? You know, what, you know, what's going on? <laughs> um, right. What do you think needs to be done? Because the new normal is going to be hybrid now. It's not going yes. to be, yes. you know, where everybody goes to the office every day and it's that water cooler kind of effect. So what leadership qualities really need to have some strengths, what areas to really make this next phase of the work environment be all that it can be? Yes, I. Uh, that's, that's just a great question. A uh, couple things. Love the sticky. I think that's a good, great idea. I think humanity um, and just, you know, what an overwhelming 
experience we've all gone through. And I think the lens through which we all see it is different, right? Uh, I'm the mom of, uh, of three children who are, one had just graduated from uh, college uh, in the middle of the pandemic and started uh, his work life. Uh, he doesn't know from going into an office, right? Um, I look at myself and part of what made, I believe made me successful was casual conversation walking around the office, right? Um, because those are the connections that you make that the next time you have some business you need to affect, um, you now have an established relationship. So I think the humanity, um, whether it's, you know, the yellow sticky to say, how are you doing and check in, really, really important. I think mentorship, um, you know, and making that human connection is going to be more critical than ever. Um, I spend a good deal more of my time as I've, you know, gotten more experience and, and progressed in my career doing that, um, mentoring, you know, uh, early tenure professionals, new interns, more seasoned professionals, because that really makes a difference. Um, and mentoring doesn't just mean how do you get ahead in your career? It's talking about, you know, human things, life things. Uh, it doesn't always mean they're within your company. And I, I will tell you, I use the example of my son. I wish that for him, right? Because I think sometimes um, you feel isolated uh, because you don't have a connection to a physical connection to your environment. So I think we have to insert that humanity into however it is that we work to realize that missing those casual conversations, we need to come up with different solutions to make us all feel connected and also make sure that our life balance is in check, right? Because I agree with you, not only is it asking others, how are they doing? But we as leaders also need to demonstrate that humanity um, as we're in this this new this new work environment, right? If if your team members and your colleagues see you incessantly working at your terminal from the wee hours of the morning to very late at night, what examples are you setting for that new workforce that doesn't know any different than sitting in front of a you know a PC all day? So setting examples, being, you know, humanity and making time in your day to have more interpersonal uh, interactions, I think is going to be absolutely critical. I, I don't, I don't know how we're going to thrive without that. You're listening to Leaders in Legend Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aline Black, and today I'm talking with Stacey Swartz, mm -hmm. Vice President, U.S. Public Sector and Education Ring Central. Next, we'll find out Stacey's advice to the next generation of leaders. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Stacey Swartz, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector and Education Ring Central. Stacey, tell me about your current role and what does Ring Central do? Sure. Uh, yes, I uh, recently moved to uh, Ring Central. Um, Ring Central is a cloud-based uh, collaboration uh, communications company. So, if you think about, um, you know, we, we'd spoken a little bit about uh, the new normal. Uh, Ring Central is right at the heart of that, with unified commun communications as a service, contact center as a service. Um, you know, all of that integrating messaging, video. Uh, voice, 
Um, and uh, my role there is to uh, progress our presence into the government and education space. And so, um, you know, our, our, um, our team is working through uh, entering the federal market. Uh, we have some uh, presence in the state and local and K through 12 and higher education market as we speak. So, Stacey, in your background, when I talked a little bit earlier about your bio, you're on several uh, boards that support some very worthy causes. Tell us about being on a board uh, and supporting, uh, you know, and how you landed these seats or pursued these seats and why you have passion around these particular causes. Sure. Um, and thank you for asking. I, you know, I think uh, everybody needs to take a step back and look at how you spend your time every day and uh, do what matters to you. Um, you know, we all have been at places in our lives where we're doing things. Some, some days feel like you're doing everything you love doing and other days you don't necessarily, um, you know, uh, are, are able to do everything you'd like to do uh, and to give back. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll just speak about myself personally, um, you know, working mom. Um, I was the daughter of a working mom and there's a period of time where there's just aren't enough hours in a day. And I think as I've gotten to, uh, as you know, as my children have been growing and I've gotten more, um, you know, comfortable, confident in my, uh, my, my work-life balance, I've been very deliberate about where I want to spend my time and doing things that are good uh, for, I can't do it all, but want to be selective about helping causes. I spent some time on the Women's Center Board, uh, about three and a half years uh, supporting the Women's Center in Northern Virginia, which, um, you know, worthy, worthy cause, um, supporting women who needed uh, additional support, women and families, quite honestly, who needed additional support, counseling help, other guidance, uh, for career professional advice, any kind of support that was needed uh, to, to help women um, in the uh, Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, uh, and that was incredibly fulfilling. Uh, many women on the board uh, and men doing really great things to enable and empower women um, who are in tough spot. My current board uh, position is on the Make-A-Wish board for Mid-Atlantic. I was approached to be on that board, and, um, you know, for those of you that don't know, um, Make-A-Wish is a national foundation, uh, but I am a part of the uh, Mid-Atlantic um, chapters board and really inspiring to me, uh, you know, just as a human, but also as a mom, uh, we provide, uh, you know, we grant wishes to children who have, um, you know, illness and um, these wishes are, are recommended by the medical profession to really create the, you know, sort of emotional, physical uh, impact of doing something good for a child who's struggling through illness. And it's just incredibly inspiring and just, just so heartwarming to see some of the creative things that we're able to do that actually have changed the lives of these, uh, of these young people. And um, just really thrilled to be on, on that board. Part of what I'm trying to do on that board is, um, really create a bit more energy in the government contracting community around supporting Make-A-Wish. There are many children of, um, you know, some of our mission focused 
uh, government folks, whether it's veterans, you know, active military, first responders, um, you know, the life of a, of a child who's enduring illness, uh, whose parents are in those, you know, those very critical citizen focused roles is, is very different than, you know, than, than every other child. And it, it doesn't mean that, um, you know, every child that's suffering through illness is having a difficult time, but um, we, we're trying to create a program that uh, adapts, make a wish to uh, support those children uh, in unique ways. Uh, so I, I hope in some small way, I'm helping make a difference uh, in my activities on the Make-A-Wish board. Stacey, you talked about the importance of taking time and walking on, around the office to create relationships, but can we talk a little bit about the importance of building a network beyond your work and why it is important for leaders to have a strong network? Um, what organizations, for an example, do you belong to and why? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think to your point, um, you know, and I was in one organization, one corporate organization for many, many years. I, I think the way that, um, you know, I was able to strike balance is I, I did join, um, you know, some women's organizations. Um, I established, um, you know, more recently, I'll just give you an example that seems to be pretty current. Uh, I joined Chief, uh, which uh, there's a Washington, D.C. chapter, and I've made some incredible contacts um, you know, in that organization specifically focused on, you know, leaders, female leaders coming together, different industries, similar industries, just sharing experiences and, and lifting one another up. And I think having those linkages externally um, it, are really important. And I say externally, it could be within your own, um, you know, corporate or, or um, work life. But having the balance of having uh, both internal to your, you know, your your uh, employment uh, uh, environment, and externally uh, is just absolutely critical. Um, I joined a networking organization, um, you know, with uh, within uh, government executive at one point that was STEM focused, um, and I was able to meet some wonderful uh, leaders in that environment. Um, you know, similarly. I have um, been a participant in um, um, women in technology and was able to meet some incredible, uh, make some incredible friendships there. And one of my uh, dearest friends, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give her a shout out, is Catherine Konzel, um, who recently uh, retired from Microsoft. I met her at a government contracting industry group, and we've maintained our friendship for 15 years. And um, you know, I think what's so important about all of these external connections is it just gives you perspective. You have people that you can, you know, reach out to, whether it's for, you know, just having a board of advisors to help guide you, um, you know, people that uh, help lift you up and give you perspective, uh, making you aware both socially um, and from a corporate perspective of how you're perceived and, and giving that same support back to others is so uplifting um, for, for, I believe, for anyone who's aspiring to leadership. It's a, it's a, it's a really important thing to not just, uh, you know, be out there, um, you know, absorbing and taking, but also by giving to others and supporting others, uh, you're just, you know, it's, it's absolutely critical for your own personal growth. So you also mentioned that you mentor. Um, tell us 
a little bit about how you approach that and how you choose mentees or how you choose your own mentor. Sure. Um, you know, I think from a, a mentoring perspective, you know, sometimes it's as simple as people reach out to me and say, listen, I really want to get time with you. Um, I had a very large team at AT&T, almost 800 people. And it's interesting, you know, um, I've always made myself very approachable, but, uh, you know, there were folks that would come to me and say, I really want to make sure I can talk to you about where I'm going and get your advice. And, you know, there's, there's only so much time in a day, but um, continuity is really important and helping people rise is really important. And I think part of that is the initiative of those that really want that help. Um, and so, um, you know, some of those mentoring relationships were, you know, one or two conversations, but I maintain, um, you know, a small cadre of people that I have mentored for years. And um, I think it's, you know, it's a bit more artful than, you know, having screening criteria. It's just people who, um, you know, really have a defined or are looking for help in defining uh, where they want to go or how they should behave. Um, and, and I, I think that's, that's really, really critical as far as people that have, uh, for me been mentors, um, you know, I think it's, it's about, uh, approachability, uh, folks that can be completely authentic and transparent. Uh, I have been fortunate enough to have folks that, um, you know, I'm a very open and authentic person. And I feel like if I can find that in somebody that, uh, is open to mentoring me, that's a perfect match for me. I don't, uh, I don't like the formality, um, you know, of having to be guarded in a relationship like that. I, I want to be able to really fully express myself, my challenges and my concerns. Um, and in return, I, you know, I want to make sure that I'm using my mentor's time wisely. So Transparency, openness, honesty, absolutely critical in a mentoring relationship, whether it's me mentoring or the person that's mentoring me. Your career and success uh, have truly been inspirational. Any final pearls of wisdom you have for that next generation, the 18 year old Stacy, or <laughs> your, you, you know, I have four kids, you have three kids, or starting their careers? You know, um, I say this, uh, thank you for asking me that question. Cause I, I, I do have, I, I have my own children in that situation, although I'm not sure they would necessarily listen to all of my advice. Um, you know, I, I think about, um, I had a young woman working for me really recently and I was really struck by her insightfulness. Um, you know, and I juxtapose that with some of the, I would call sort of you know, later in my career revelations I had about myself. And I think there is a, you know, listening to, you know, listen a lot. Okay. But also listen to yourself. If you believe something with conviction, there's always a way to deliver a message, but, you know, say and speak your ideas and your thoughts don't hold them back because I found that later in my life, when I said things that I felt were extraordinarily transparent and direct, 
the response that I got was amazing. And I walked away at one point after telling a very senior executive at AT&T my insights on a particular business matter, that the response was so incredibly engaging and, and supportive that I thought, man, I would have never said that and my, you know, 21 year old self, because I wouldn't have, I would have, I might've thought it, but I wouldn't have said it. And the woman that I mentioned just a few you know, moments ago, I, I look at her and I see my, my younger self and I'm encouraging her in the spirit of, you know, all folks, um, you know, in their sort of early part of their career, trust your instincts, you know, figure out how to deliver what it is you want to say, but don't stifle what you're thinking and what you want to say because you're just starting out. It's really important that you trust yourself to, you know, to, to say the things that you believe early on in your career. You'd be surprised the impact that you have. And that, and that's, I understand that that comes, you know, with, tenure and wisdom in a lot of, in a lot of instances, but I really wish that I could have said and done some of those things earlier in my career. And I, I know there are people out there that do that. It takes, it takes work. And I would encourage young professionals to really work at that, not, not, not hold back, um, you know, make sure you deliver a, you know, a, obviously a professional message, but don't, you know, don't disregard your instincts um, and what you're thinking because you're, you know, young in your career. Follow, follow your beliefs and your passions. You've been listening to Leaders and Legend Government. My guest today has been Stacy Swartz. Stacy, I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your personal journey and some very valuable advice. Thank you. I'm Aileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Podcast One.